Well, um, we're talking about the fact that you are uh, a well of life. Aren't you glad that you're not a well of death tonight? And gloom, despair, and agony on you. Amen. But uh, we've talked about the reality of the need for that revelation and to understand the empowerment, the, the contents of that well, the things of the Spirit of God. And we've talked about the importance for you and for me to be connected uh, in vital living union with the Lord. If we're not, then uh, nothing's going to flow, nothing's going to be there. When you try to minister, it's going to be just empty. Look at somebody and say, stay connected. But all those wonderful things about the well are completely pointless if you tonight and I tonight uh, did not develop and cultivate a thing called availability. Now turn to somebody and tell them, availability is your superpower. Well, who am I? What can I do? I can tell you this, that a lot more would happen if people were just available. Because being born again, that's a given. Uh, being baptized in the Holy Ghost, he's done that for us. Aren't you glad? He can't control, of course, at this point in your life, how well connected you are to him. That's up to you. And how available you are. So aren't you glad he's done the first two? Well, the first two you and I do, but the second two you and I have total control over. And this last one is very critical because just in your everyday lives, if you'll cultivate this thing called availability and you'll see it modeled for us in Scripture, you're going to get to see a lot of interesting things in these end times that people who refuse to be available simply won't, won't see. And it's not because God doesn't want to use them. This is where you become what the Scripture says in Isaiah 1, 19 and 20. You want to be willing and obedient. Say it, I am willing and obedient. It's having the same spirit that Isaiah had in Isaiah chapter 6. You know, the Lord asked a simple question, you know, who's available? Who will go? And what did Isaiah say? Here am I, send me. What was he saying? All Isaiah was saying is, I'm available. Use me, send me. That's all God is looking for in his people. Uh, we think he's looking for the super apostle and the prophet and the pastor and evangelist. Yes, we all have a role to play in this end time harvest. He's looking for people like you and for me. Isaiah was not, a, was not a, a minister in the classical sense. He was not a prophet in the classical sense. Anybody know what his profession was? Nobody. All right, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to cover the whole book tonight. Amen? Just the whole thing. He's a, he's a statesman who God used prophetically. He was what you call a high-ranking government advisor and statesman. And you and I uh, tend to think that God just uses people, you know, that are in the Elijah, Elisha kind of a mold or in the Moses mold. But how do you understand that when the Spirit of God comes on somebody, he can use and will use anybody? A wonderful example for you and for me is this person who would speak boldly uh, truth to powerful, powerful people. And I, even to this day, every time I turn around, there's another ministry, there's another preacher talking about how horrible it is if people deal with policy or politics or those in power or those, you know, in government. And all I see throughout Scripture are people who have the guts to speak truth to power and policy. So I see uh, this is a natural extension of the ministry and a cop-out for people not to do it. But that's just between me and the Lord. Amen. That's just my opinion. They can have their opinion. I have my opinion. Amen. And, uh, and one of them referred to in an article that uh, it's kind of like the, the camel stuck his toe into the Christian tent and then you know, stuck his head in the Christian tent. And now the camel of policy and politics is in the whole tent. Well, you know what I say? Get on the camel and ride. 
If he's in there, go ahead and write it for all that's worth. We can't be silent, especially in the day we are in. We are living in a wicked day. And these men and women of God would not be silent, crawling behind a pulpit and hiding behind, I'm just preaching the gospel. Like they did in Nazi Germany, with few exceptions. Not our business. We're just here to love everybody. I mean, we've got to love Hitler and love Himmler. Really? How about calling them out like he did? You say it cost him an awful big price. Yeah, it cost him everything ultimately. But at least he went down knowing he opened up his mouth and did something in evil times. Amen? And if you haven't noticed, we're in evil times. In Matthew 21... Verse uh, 28 through 32, there's a story of two sons. And one, the father says, I want you to go out and, and work in my field. And, of course, one says that he would go, he's willing, but never gets around to it. And the other one says, in fact, I'm not going, but what happened? He changed his mind. The scripture asks a very simple question, which one of these fellows did the will of God? The one that eventually went out. Now, you and I want to be willing and obedient, and we want to be quick to respond to him. But that's what God is saying to the church today. Maybe we've not gotten around to being available. Maybe we've put off being available for decades, whatever the case may be. I mean, understand he's still interested in you getting out there and doing it anyway. So, in other words, turn to somebody and tell them you're worth writing for. In Luke 10 and Matthew 10, our standing orders are to be the well, the mobile well. He sent them out, didn't he? And they came back with testimony how the power of God would manifest. And even the demons were subject to the men in his name. And they were excited about that. And he told them the greatest miracle of all is what? Your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the greatest point for, for rejoicing. But the point is that's what you and I are supposed to be. Now, to do that, we're going to have to be available. You know, those 72 or 70, depending on which translation you're looking at, could have said, well, you know, half of us are going to go, but the rest of us, you know, too tired to go. We've got something else going on. They were all available, and they all went. Look at somebody and said they all went. They all. all available means is being able to be used. It means to be at someone else's disposal. So availability in the concept of ministry is, is being at the Holy Spirit's disposal, not just on Sunday. It's great we're available tonight because it's training time, encouragement time. I mean, I love hearing what God is doing. I love just hearing the testimony that Vicki had for Gary. Amen. I'm going to rejoice and continue to believe God for his total restoration. There's obviously a purpose and a place for what we're doing tonight, but it's being available not just during service times, but being available wherever we are, whenever we're uh, engaged in, in anything in life. And sometimes, you know, the Spirit of God will just kind of sneak up on you and give you an assignment when you least expect it. What do you need to be at that point in time? Available. Say it, I'm available. Uh, Abraham was available, and God said, leave your family, leave this land, and go to a place that I'll show you. Well, I'll tell you what, Lord, you tell me where I'm going, and then I'll decide if I'm going to go. That's not how this went down. You go, and I'll show you. Sometimes you don't have all the answers. You just use your faith and availability, and you go. Isaac was quite the opposite. Don't go, stay. <laughs> stay in the land of famine. And what happened is God blessed him. There's a purpose for that. Joseph of the New Testament, the Bible says, taking care of our Lord and Savior as a, as a baby, as a child, the angel would give him Holy Spirit direction, and he would obey that to the point where he left and went to Egypt. And the Scripture tells us out of Egypt, I have what? 
I've called my son. Then he tells them, no, when you go back, don't go back to where you're originally from, but go where? Go to Nazareth, because he's going to be called what? A Nazarene, and he's going to be of Galilee. So you see that Joseph had this down, where the Spirit of God would talk to him through this angelic messenger, and he was available to do what God called him to do. Jonah was also called to do something for God, and what happened with him? Unavailable. Look at somebody say, don't be like Jonah. He was, <laughs> he was clearly unavailable. And we could say, well, why was he unavailable? Why did he you know, go in the opposite direction? We could say because he was afraid of the Assyrians. They were wicked people. He could have said, well, I'm going to go there and preach, and they're going to repent anyway. Uh, you, I don't really buy that. I think that's more of him just kind of, you know, uh, just speaking out of his flesh. But that could have been his thinking, or his thinking could have been, you know, I'm going to... Uh, you know, get there in a situation, and uh, and whether it is it is fear or certainty of God's grace, a third element comes into this, where maybe he just wanted God to give it to him. Don't sit there with the holy tone. Sometimes you think the same thing about people that run you over. He didn't have the Holy Ghost. He wasn't born again. I can completely believe him thinking, Lord, I just want them to get what's coming to them. These are wicked, wicked people. But as wicked as they were, and think about, you know, ISIS running around with their black flag and their little white dot insignia and and all the wicked things they did the short time they existed. When they were at their heyday, the Spirit of God spoke to me one February and said, ISIS is a candle, a flickering candle I'm about to blow out. And he did. Now you and I, if we flicker, he doesn't blow us out. Are you here today? The contrast couldn't be greater. They're hanging on by a thread. I'm about to snuff them out. But my people, I don't, I don't snuff out like that. We would consider them wicked. But you know, on their worst day, God still wanted them saved. And if they repented before they were destroyed, then certainly they could be saved. And then their name's written in the last book of life just like you and me. But God loved these people in Assyria. And we know they didn't repent. We know that, uh, I mean, they didn't keep their repentance. They repented, but then they went back to their old evil ways, and they were destroyed. Nineveh was preached to around 750 B.C. Nahum came back and pronounced judgment, and it was destroyed by 612 B.C. If you want to know where this is, it's in the modern nation of Iraq in Mosul, where we have been fighting. It had been fighting for a long, long time. Um, yes, and it's, it's really never been the same. I want you to... Turn with me to a couple of examples in Scripture. Look at somebody and say, availability, availability. is my superpower. I want you to go to Acts chapter 9. Let's look at this one uh, individual. You know in uh, chapter 9, the Lord personally confronts Saul for his persecution of the church and gives him revelation that you're actually persecuting me and persecuting my people. I want you to remind that, remind yourself of that tonight, church. When you're being persecuted for righteousness' sake, they're really going after him. They hate him. Uh, you just reflect his love, his grace, his mercy, his word, his spirit. And so the Lord, uh, you know, just basically unequivocally knocks him off his high horse, and he responds pretty quickly. But that's not where the story ends. And you, uh, getting born again, is not sufficient. 
There's more that you need. Any of us that are going to be used of God, there's more to the story. And if you look in verse uh, 10, it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. The Lord, he answered. Uh, you see, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord uh, told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. You see the precision of the Holy Spirit here? First of all, he knows uh, Saul's name. He also knows Ananias' name. He also knows your name. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Yeah, I guess he is praying after this encounter. Um, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Now notice this. He's referencing things that uh, he has heard. Now here's, the, here's the crux of the matter. You and I at that moment have to decide, what are we going to yield to? We hear the reports. We've heard what the Lord has said. Which one are we going to be available to? The report that tries to instill fear or the report that says, here's what I have for you to do. I guess the point is here that it could be very well be caution at the, uh, at the lowest level and outright terror at the highest level what this man has done. We've already know earlier in Acts, what he, what he had done and consented to do to Stephen. So we know this is a real threat. This is not imaginary. But how could he possibly know in the natural what had happened to Saul? The news really hadn't gotten out yet. Why, we're still in the same chapter here. But regardless of whether, like with Jonah, it is, I want them to get it, they're going to repent anyway, or it's just fear, it's all a matter of excuses. And I wonder if, if in your heart tonight you'd ask yourself, what excuses are you using not to be available? Modern church, I'm too busy. Modern church, somebody else will do it. Modern church, you know, I just don't like this or like that. We all have reasons for what we're not, for, for we're not doing what he tells us to do. And so he, he pitches his best excuse to the Lord. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. Now, I don't know if your translation has an exclamation point after go. Does yours? But I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it was stated. <laughs> I'm not going to debate this with you. It's like it went in one ear and out the other, the Lord's ear and out the other, that I don't care about what you've heard. I'm speaking to you now. It's like Ananias. You know what your superpower is? Availability. On the other side of this story, can you imagine how Ananias must have felt after God had used this man so powerfully that he had the guts to listen to the Lord? Everybody say available. He said, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings. Highlight that, and their kings. Preachers speak truth to politicians. Whether other Christians don't like it or not. To what? Gentiles and their what? And their kings. We don't have kings. We have presidents and senators and congressmen and women. We have judges. We have whatever. But we speak truth as well. If it was a mandate for 
Paul, guess what? It's a mandate for his church as well. Before the people of Israel, and I'll show him how much he must suffer for his namesake. Now, part of this is just uh, the persecution that's going to come because of what he's doing. But there's also the concept of reaping what he has sown. This man has sown great terror and hardship uh, in the lives of other people. I want you to see that the Lord gives him the importance of this mission. But the bottom line is, what's he going to yield to? Is he going to be available or not? Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the, on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say healing and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I have a lot of evangelical friends. Oh, they love Paul's writings. They love his books. They love to talk about, oh, I, I love to follow what Paul is saying. But when you talk about how much he spoke in tongues, I don't want to be like Paul in that area. Scripture says Paul spoke in tongues more than you all. Say it with me. More than you all. How important is it to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? He raised up a man just to go to Saul for that very purpose, to be healed, but also to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, Acts 8 doesn't tell us that he spoke in tongues, but 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that he what? I thank God I speak in tongues more than you. In fact, you said, I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray in the understanding. I'll sing in the Spirit. I will what? Sing in the, in the Spirit. He basically will say, this is my lifestyle. This is how I live. But in the church, we can't have our sermons in tongues. Can I have an amen? How many of you glad right now this teaching is in English? As much as I love my prayer language, you would not get very much out of it, except the portion God may help you to interpret. That's the point he was making. He wasn't denigrating tongues. He wasn't suppressing tongues. He wasn't kicking the Holy Spirit out. He was simply saying that you need teaching in the tongue of those that actually are listening to you so they can be edified and built up. But for this very reason. Now, when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I had struggled with, with uh, first it was, it was mono, the Epstein-Barr virus, all kinds of you know, uh, lung infections. And then when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I was completely healed. I know what it's like to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and also physically healed instantly. He's still doing it. And it makes sense. If you get a big old dose of the Holy Ghost, guess what? Whatever he has, he's bringing with him. Does that make sense? So you can see how important this is. He's the polar opposite of Jonah. He had concerns and fears, but instead of running, what did he do? Could Ananias have run? Yes. You think God would have chased after him? We don't know. Maybe. Maybe he found somebody else. But the point is, he was the exact opposite of a Jonah. He didn't allow fear or whatever excuse to stop him, and the rest is history. And I bring this up to point out to you that uh, God's always working on both ends of something. He's working on Saul, but he's also working on people to help him. Can you think of another man that God raised up to be an encouragement to Paul? Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas, and, and Barnabas was a, a pretty straight shooter, wasn't he, when it came time to do the work of the ministry, uh, speaking the truth in love to him when necessary, and the partnership they had, the experiences they had. They saw some pretty wild things, didn't they? 
being available to do the missionary work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The point is that, uh, you know, Saul is not going to really become Paul by himself. And that's where you and I come in. Being available to be that person that can actually help that person get to the level they're supposed to get to, to do the things they're called to do. Amen. Now say it with me. He knew Saul's name. He knew Ananias' name. And he knows your name. See, Barb's a lot easier to say than Ananias. He knows your name. Amen. Say, he knows my name. That's not the question. Uh, is he speaking to you? That's not debated. Are you born again? That's not debatable. Your spirit filled? That's not debatable. What is debatable? Are you going to answer, whether small or large, and be available when he actually calls you? See, that's a connection. Ananias got to see something that nobody else in the history of the body of Christ ever saw. He had an encounter. It was obviously shared with Luke, the physician who wrote this down, the story. And the great detail, I appreciate him doing that. But let's face it, this guy had a vantage point that none of us have ever seen. Nobody in the body of Christ has ever seen this vantage point. Paul, when he was Saul, before he was healed, before he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Why did he get to see that? Because he was available. Now, I just wonder what you and I are going to get to see just because we're what? Available. See, it's not so much about being extra special. It's about being available. What can you do tomorrow? What can you do next week? What can you do in the hospitals? What can you do in your workplace? If he has that one person there that's just simply made up their mind, I'm going to be available to what God actually tells me to do. Come on, say it, availability is my superpower. I want you to, to, to see another person in terms of, of the New Testament. And that is uh, the disciple known as Philip and how he fits into this. Go to Acts chapter 2. Just uh, trying to put a handle on, on this man's life because he certainly models availability for us. When I think about Philip, I think about a man with a whatever anointing. A few years ago, that gave me a real slang term for people when they were put out with you or didn't care, just trying to be disrespectful. You say something, they go, whatever. But in Philip's case, whatever the Lord wanted him to do, he was like, whatever. Look at somebody and say, you need that anointing. Whatever, Lord. You want me to go over here? Whatever. Amen. Now, I understand that uh, that's, that seems so simple, but this is not complicated. It's not rocket science. Look at somebody and say, whatever. If we could just get that same mentality. You want me here? Whatever. You want me in church? Whatever. There's a special outpouring? Whatever. You want me on a street corner? Whatever. You want me to go to the store? Whatever. Right now, I get up and go to the gas station. Whatever. You know, God does stuff like that. And you and I miss divine appointments because... We don't have that whatever anointing. It's more about a mentality than anything else. Look at somebody say, whatever. Whatever he wants. In uh, Acts chapter 2, we know that 500 people saw him physically raised from the dead. We also know that how many showed up? In that 120 was a man who heard of the command, 
Wait for the promise of my Father. Many days hence you'll be what? Baptized. Huh? Not in water, but in what? And he told me you'd be my witnesses. There were two men, I'll just emphasize just for an illustration here, that when they heard that, they said to the Lord, whatever. One was named Stephen, and one was named Philip. In addition to those that were following the Lord as, as his, you know, as his 12, as his, as his foundational apostles. Look at somebody and say, whatever. Now, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but you know, when the Lord said, I'm going to do something, I'm going to make an impartation in your life, the correct response is, whatever. Whatever you want. 380 said, no. 380 out of 500 already lost the concept of availability. And unlike you and me, I've not seen him physically crucified. I didn't watch them take down his dead body. I didn't stand it as far as they put him in a rich man's tomb. I wasn't there on the third day when he was raised. I didn't see him walking around the streets where people used to either cheer him or belittle him. I didn't do that. And yet we believe tonight. 380 people saw him physically alive and didn't have, what, enough revelation to say, you bet you I'll be there. That narrows the field of availability down very significantly, doesn't it? Amen. Same thing's true today. The Lord says, I want you to meet me in prayer at such and such a time every day. Well, I got this, I got that. What's the correct response? Whatever. Amen. I want you to, you know, get into the word like never before. What's the correct response? Whatever. Whatever. I want you to be faithful in church. There's COVID out there, Lord. Can I tell you something? What Saul was doing was far more dangerous to Christians than what COVID is doing. And yet you'll have Christians say what? What does a Philip-like anointing say? Whatever. And there's some people listening to me right now over the internet saying, whatever, preacher, whatever, I ain't doing that. Whatever. (laughs) Say it with me, I have a whatever anointing. What does that mean? It means whatever he tells you to do, you do. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like somebody who can maybe go back in history in our mind and think maybe around John chapter 2 or... Jesus is at a wedding in Cana, and he makes, his mother makes a demand on his knowing. And he tells those servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Why did they see a miracle that day? Because somebody heard it and said, whatever, I'll do it. So hard, isn't it? Go get the water pots. Amen. Pray. Go to church. It's so hard. Amen. The good news is if we'll respond like a Philip, we'll get to see some of the things that Philip saw. Amen. Look at somebody and say, he was there on the day of Pentecost because he said, whatever, Lord. Amen. How sad would it have been to have an invitation and not got to be in that church service? Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Go with me over to uh, Acts chapter 6. Verse 1, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among with, the, among with them complained against the Hebraic Jews because the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be what? Well, where did that happen? There is no other narrative of baptism between Acts 2 and Acts 6. So where did they get it at? On the day of Pentecost. These were people who were part of that core who actually showed up. And now out of that core, these men are being raised up. You might say it because they were available. You might say it because they were faithful. But guess who is one of them? who are full of the Spirit and wisdom, we will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word, the proposal of peace, the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip. And you know what Philip said? Whatever. <laughs> I'll do it. Why? I'm available. Say it, the anointing of availability. It's really more a choice and a decision. But how do you know that God will always empower you when you're doing the will of God? When you're available. So what do you say? Whatever. He had a whatever anointing. Whatever he wants me to do. And that's what he does. Go over to Acts chapter 8. Verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Notice that Christians, when they're persecuted, are not silent. Like Bartimaeus, they yell all the more. So when you're persecuted, don't get quiet, get louder. Amen? Get louder. When somebody comes at you, just get louder for the things of God. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Why? Whatever. When the crowd heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. God was confirming his word with what? Signs following. following. What was he? Why was God doing this? He was available on the day of Pentecost. He was available to serve tables in Acts chapter 6. And now he's available to do what? In the midst of persecution to keep on preaching Christ. And God worked with him, confirmed the word with signs following. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many And many paralytics and cripples were healed, so there was great joy in that city. He's available. Are we the wells, church? I said, are we the wells? Yes, we have revelation, we have empowerment, we have connection, but it won't mean anything if we're not available. Philip had all those three. We know that. We know he had revelation. We know there was empowerment in his life. We know there was connection to the things of God. But he has something a lot of people in the modern church don't have, and it's simple availability. Available to do what God wants you to do. Uh, Skip on down to verse uh, 24. Actually, it's 26. Poke somebody and say, availability. This is deep. 
deep revelation. Everybody say, deep revelation. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And Philip said, whatever. <laughs> so he started out, and on his way, do you see this? Not the day of Pentecost, not in Acts 6, not in Acts 8 at the Samaritan revival, not here where he's told to leave this great revival. Not once did he argue. Available every step of the way. So he started out on his way, and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in the charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, so we know he's a Jew, but he's still hungry. And on his way home, he was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and the Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot, and what? Stay near it. And what did Philip say? Whatever. Amen. Same spirit. Okay. Tell me where to go and I'll go. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was despised of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his death was taken from the, for his life was taken from the earth. And he asked Philip, "Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else?" I'm glad you understand who he's talking about. But isn't this an honest question? I want to know. I want to understand. I want somebody to explain this to me. So Philip began with that very passage of scripture. He's like, you want to understand Isaiah? Whatever. I'll help you. And he began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Now implicit in this text is somewhere Philip must have gotten around to tell him about John the Baptist and the concept of baptism, or he wouldn't just exclaim, here, here's some water. Obviously, he was going to the next step in his journey, which he should have. And the Bible says, uh, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. Now, how do you know this man has a story? And when he gets home, Candace says, what were you drinking on the way home? What were you smoking? What did you pick up along the way? <laughs> he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Again, available. Available on day of Pentecost. Available to wait on tables. Available to go to Samaria. Available to meet this eunuch. And available to go to Azotus. Are you here today? Say it with me. A whatever, a whatever anointing. Now, Azotus actually uh, right by the coast. It's called Ashdod. And so here, what he's doing is, if you look at a map like this, he's going down this road. It's a crescent-shaped road down to Gaza. And what actually the Spirit of God did was took him just south of the road here, straight across to Ashdod, about 40 miles supernaturally. 
How many of y'all like to have some supernatural experiences in your life? All because he was available. Come on, say, just because he's available. Uh, how did God know he's available? He's got a track record. Can you understand tonight that one of the best track records you'll ever get as a Christian, the most important, is one that's available? Amen? You're available to be faithful. You're available to do what God's called you to do. And who knows what he has for you. I believe in the times that we're living in, it may be necessary for God to supernaturally translate you somewhere. Amen? Did he have aircraft? No, this is faster than aircraft. Amen? This is Holy Ghost craft. There is nothing faster than that. Boom. Blink of an eye. Supernaturally fast. That's what happens. Pastor, you actually believe this story? Yeah, I believe it because it's in the same word of God where Jesus was born of a virgin. Amen. He was raised from the dead. He cast out devils. But look at this guy. You say, and what's important about this man is this is not some guy, you know, with five you know, degrees. He was not raised a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He's someone who got caught up in this, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and showed up on the day of Pentecost. He was available, and he kept on being available. That's your superpower. Why would God use you this way? Be available. You say everybody in the body of Christ is available. I'm telling you that's not the case. Most Christians are not available. Even today, you mentioned things like the Holy Ghost, and they're going to run for the hills. They're not available to have God baptize them in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. They're too religious to accept that. So every step of the way, you can see how narrow, 500 to 120, 120 to a few more. Now we have six that are waiting on tables. And now of that six, one goes to Samaria. That one meets up with the, with the Ethiopian. That one is sent to Ashdod. It's all about availability. Lots of people, watch this, lots of people can get a revelation under the well. Lots of people can get and receive and understand the empowerment. Lots of people can pray. But how many of those are going to be available to do what the Lord wants them to do? Amen. Say it. He's talking about me. Come on. Say he is talking about me tonight. The example of Philip is a simple one. Write this down tonight. First of all, you need to know the Spirit. You need to know he's talking to you. Be in fellowship with God that when he doesn't say Ananias or Saul, but he calls your name, you can recognize that as the Spirit of God. He has something for you to do. And as soon as you hear your name, how many understand? Now it's availability time. There's something that he has for you to do. Come on, say it. When he calls my name, it's availability time. Say it again. When he calls my name, it's availability time. It's time to get up and do whatever he says. Amen? It's not hard to understand how you can be uh, a miraculous church or body or the, amen, the miracle capital of the world if you have a bunch of people who are available. But in the old paradigm, we all come we all pray, we get a preacher, we get a revivalist, and then let's have some miracles. And everything is external, everything is outside of us. Everything is about somebody else being available to God. This paradigm is about you being available to God. Say it, I'm available. I'm available. Look, if Philip could be and see this, you, you and I can as well. But we're not going to get there unless we just not receive the Holy Ghost, but we listen to him when he calls our name. Say it, it's about availability. 
You need to know the spirit. Number two, you need to know the word. When you came across that Ethiopia, we know that he preached Christ. When you preach Christ, you're going to get manifestations of the Spirit because you're preaching the anointed one and his anointing. But it's important to know the word enough to be able to help people. How many of you think God, Philip, understood that Isaiah was speaking about Jesus, the one that died for us? He was able to help him. Not some, you know, Greek scholar. That's not important. What's important is knowing the word enough to be able to help somebody when they have that kind of a question. Could have been any other scripture he was reading, but it just happened to be the passage about the suffering Messiah. In Isaiah, you have to know the Word. Say it, know the Spirit and know the Word. And number three, know what to do. All of this will come from the direction of the Spirit of God. Yes, I should lead him to Christ. Yes, I should baptize him. Yes, we should honor what he's requesting and do the work of the ministry. That one assignment with that individual was as important as anything he did in Samaria, as important as anything he did for the widows. You see how these are all important to God? Say it with me, the widows are important to God. The eunuch was important to God. Amen. The citizens of Samaria were important to God. And they were all impacted by the same person. Who was what? Available. What were his qualifications, Pastor? Born again, spirit-filled, and available. That's it? Yes, I didn't say it. Let me say it again. Born again, spirit-filled, and available. Say it with me, born again. Spirit-filled and available. Decades people sit in churches thinking, one day I'll be qualified to do this. No, you were qualified a long time ago. Don't let me insult you tonight. The availability is the issue. Not the qualifications. Turn to somebody and tell them, you are well qualified. You are more qualified than Philip was at this season in his life. Amen. Amen. What we all need are PhDs in availability. Amen. How do you get that? Not complicated. You just make a quality decision. (laughs) I'm going to be available. I mean, I like this character, Philip. Everybody in this room can relate to him. How many know when the Holy Ghost knocked on your door to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you were available? First step, looking pretty good, amen. And then maybe he puts you in a place of service where, you know, it wasn't anything glamorous, but maybe you're sweeping the floor or, you know, maybe you're doing something that nobody even knows about in the house of God or in ministry or in a parachurch ministry, but you're available just like him. Can you see to the Lord, man looks at this differently, but to the Lord, availability is one of the greatest qualifications to advance in the anointing. Say it with me, I'm available. If he can do it, I can do it. And I'd love to know about the rest of the story. I mean, I mean, no, he's there right now. He's with the Lord. So one day we can all say, tell us the rest of the story. What happened after Ashdod? Because up to Ashdod, it's pretty impressive. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And your story is not written yet as well. Amen. All it takes is this decision, this quality decision to be available. Available where? Available where you're at every single day. Wherever he commands you to go, you have responsibilities for sure. But then, even on your own time, still being available, saying, is there anything you want to do? And be ready to do it. You know, for some people right now in our time, just a word of encouragement would be like a big old glass of cold water. 
could absolutely transform their lives with what you know, the revelation you have. Sometimes it might be to minister something supernatural like the baptism or healing. Some people may be bound up by some drug or alcohol or depression, and there you are, you're available. Amen. You mean you're telling me that's all the qualification that God has? Yeah. Then where did all this other teaching come from? Layer upon layer, what you have to do or be to be used of God. That's all man-made. Why do you think they got so upset with Jesus? Amen. The Father says, you know, I want to save my people. You know what Jesus said? I'm available. I need you to die for the sins of my people. I'm available. Aren't you glad he was available? Amen. That's our example. That's our, our model. The same thing today for you and for me. So say it with me. I, I know the Spirit. I know the Word. And I know what to do. How many of y'all remember when you prayed a prayer of repentance or confession of Christ? What they used to call the, the sinner's prayer. Right? We know. We know the fundamentals of how we go from death to life. It's really just about availability now. Glory to God. Say it'll be that's me. Say, I have a whatever anointing. When the Lord speaks, what do I do? Whatever. Not disrespectfully, but what? Meaningfully. Whatever you say is what I want to do. Now, we've trained you in the professional quote unquote ministry in America that the whatever applies to the people that are paid to do ministry. Now, that's a big mistake because it has deactivated the army of God. Amen? And put reliance on the few instead of the body itself. Could you imagine if you had to do everything every day with just your index finger? You can't use any other part of your body. How miserable that would be. Amen? When I was a little kid, I sat in the front seat of the Chrysler. Of course, you know, we all, none of us wore seatbelts. You know that your mom or dad's right arm is a seatbelt. And it was just a hair slower, right? You want to say, put your hand out first and then hit the brake. Don't hit the brake and then put your arm up. But I would watch him uh, driving the car with his knee. Even as a little guy, I learned to pray. (laughs) And I pray. Lord, let me put his hand back on that wheel. <laughs> Quite gifted. Everybody say, power of steering. You couldn't do that with my car. It was a 67 Mustang. I had no power of steering. And in fact, the little column would shake as soon as you turned the car on. It was something else for sure. Amen? Whatever. How many of y'all going to work on your whatever anointing? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap and thank him for it. <laughs>